it's starting to look like no one wants the Bowes job. Alan Reynolds being the latest coach to turn down any advances to take over at Dalymount. Looks like there's only one man for the job. Roderick Collins, please step up. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week that Cork City updated us on their partnership with UCC. Alan Reynolds is off the list to become the Bohemians manager and Ian Birmingham has a new role at St. Pat's. Nathan, welcome to the big kickoff as usual. And Alan Reynolds turns down the Bowes job. Another day, another candidate gone. Is the Bowes job, is it an attractive job or not? All right, first of all, it's going to be back on uh, domestic duties following another <laughs> uh, forgettable international. We do what we do best here, talking with the League of Ireland. Yeah, mate, as you mentioned, uh, the current Derry City assistant manager turned down the chance to become the new Bohemian boss. This came, I've seen from, from myself, Ken Courtsy, of uh, Danny McDonald from the Irish Independence, but was full support by uh, the Derry Journal. So it was nice to couldn't see uh, the, the local media up in Derry giving their assistant manager a bit of a shine. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to see how well they're doing now at the moment. Well, on to the, the last question for us. Is it, an att- is it an attractive job? And it's definitely a role with issues, isn't it? You know, the club has their issues at the moment. We're seeing they're coming off a stagnant season. Um, looking like European football is, is gone now at this stage. They're sitting in fifth position. Uh, I think they have 14 players signed up for next season, so it's going to be difficult for a new manager to go in there and insert their stamp on the team straight away. Mm. And a lot of them players, like what we've seen this season, have, have just been so par compared to what we've seen over the past couple of years. And a lot has been said about the huge turnover, uh, especially of young development players that have come through the Bohemian system over the past couple of years. But it's it, that is a real issue time and time again. It has been a real issue for Keatlon too. But we talked about other potential candidates for this role, haven't we, over the past couple of weeks? And even then, you know, there's word now that Richard Dunn, he's now dropped out for seasons. Uh, he's going to be a non-runner. Uh, Derek Pender, who's the current caretaker manager there at the moment, he doesn't have the necessary uh, qualifications, so he's going to need to walk under uh, a new manager that is fully qualified. We know that like Ian Ryan and Sean O'Shea, they've held talks with the club and they're in serious consideration. But if you look at the reaction of Bohemian fans, some any of the names that have been linked with the job at the moment, they don't seem to, to be overly happy with them, especially with Vinnie Peart now coming out as the as the front runner with Alan Reynolds dropping out uh, of proceedings. But I know a lot of the, the Bohemian fans do want the club to look away from the League of Ireland. Just a lot of complaining about that. Why we do big up Bohemians and what to do off the field with community work is probably the best in the league. But I do know a lot of fans that want someone to come in as a neutral that don't know anything about that from outside of the league to be a bit more of a hard nosed presence uh, compared to what Keith Long has been for the past uh, eight years. Tell me, Keith Long, as we said before, did a great job at the club. Was it the right decision to let him go? Are they are they getting anywhere without him? Any better without them? As you said, they're going to have to keep on players that they've brought in who aren't really performing. So how can you expect them to perform next year? Yeah, no, at the time I thought it was strange to get rid of Keith. Uh, the results under Pender have been quite poor. Like you said, right, they're in fifth position. European football's gone out of them. They got knocked out of the cup as well. Um 
yeah, it's going to be a difficult one, isn't it? Like looking at, at, at the, the original topic here, we're chatting about uh, Alan. For me, would have been a really good choice. You know, we know the experience that he has within the league. Obviously, you know him uh, being Waterford manager most notably, but. Since he dropped out of Waterford in 2020, he's gone on to have a number of assistant manager roles. Uh, we took with Dundalk, Michelle Bourne, he won the fourth division um, in 2021 as a part of that crew, uh, and now doing brilliant work in Derry City. Uh, I, I wonder, though, his part time role that he has, uh, he's the assistant manager with Jim Crawford on the 21 squad. I wonder, does that have a bit to play with it as well? Because if by all, uh, by all accounts, it's it's that Alan is actually really happy with his current work situation and his work environment that stopped him from going back in being um, a manager at, at, at Bowles. So, yeah, it's going to be a difficult call. I don't think there is any major rush on them to make an appointment at the moment. That season is, 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 is done now at this stage. So, you can take a couple of weeks to get the right person in. Um, well, that be, you look you know, at it, Nathan, that mentioned. if you look at it, they if he goes to Bowes, he has a lot of pressure. He's the main man. All the focus is on him. Results aren't great. The focus is on him. He's assistant manager here. So all the focus is on Rory Higgins. So he's not taking that brunt of pressure that you would take if you were manager. I'm sure he's getting uh, well looked after up in Derry City as well. And in fairness, Rory Higgins who has mentioned the job and Alan as well, has said that he's been a strength to him up there when the results were not going for him. That any, Over the last month or six weeks or so, that he kept, Alan helped him keep his belief and his confidence about what he was doing. So Rory Higgins wouldn't want to let him go either. And again, as you said, it's up there, it's a full-time job, a full-time club. So... You know why would he leave that? It seems like he's in a good place, and as you said, he's he can he can do little bits and pieces elsewhere. Yeah, I was actually seeing a lot of quotes by Rory Higgins. He's very complimentary of Alan, wasn't he? Especially as a young manager to have that a bit of experience back and behind it can only be brilliant. I'm going to throw a little early prediction in Roy for the 2023 season, if you don't mind. Mate. Yeah, I do. I. I do often wonder, does Alan Reynolds, obviously being a Waterford native, does he always have his eye on that Waterford job? You know, it's, we're going to get on to Cork City, as you mentioned, and they're pretty much, they, they have one foot in the Premier Division now at this stage. But Waterford were to be successful, and it'd be great to see them do it as a full-time setup to get themselves back into the Premier Division. You have someone like Alan, Alan Reynolds there, that like he's still living in Tramore. He's still, he's still commuting up and down. Uh, from, for, to, to Derry so it may it certainly make his walk home life you'd imagine a lot easier it saves that them regular trips up, up to Derry but yeah I'd often wonder I know things fell apart in, in, you know they weren't the best circumstances but that was under not only the old regime but two owners ago so they're not yeah, going to they're not going to get rid of the manager though Nathan if they gain promotion and to just bring Alan Reynolds in so that's not going to happen well, anytime it, it, soon is it? Well, you, you look at the record there, Waterford Harbour, if they come up and they get off their bit of a rocky start, they're not a club that was known for staying faithful to a manager. Yeah, well, this is it. They're under new, a new regime again, so you don't know what way it's going to be. It seems, as we said before, it seems like there's, there could be stability um, this time around because, you know, they've, they've got this new 50-year lease and it looks like they're looking to plan ahead. So... Maybe there will be this stability, and again, I think Waterford will be a little bit, little bit like Shelbourne will be suited to get a few results in that division next year, as long as they can keep the players they have and maybe add to it. Yeah, yeah. Be, like I was saying, it will be great to see them come up. The, you wouldn't imagine they'd be 
so so with the folk, like I said, everything just mentioned there, with the new ownership and the backing that they bring in and the work that they're doing within the community. And also that the, the squad of players that he have there right this season, a lot of them are really, really exciting. And a lot of them that, regardless of Waterford, do go up or not. You'd imagine, like, like I thought the things passing a lot this season, but really impressed by him. But like himself, will be in the Premier Division more than likely next year, regardless if he's going to be in the play of Waterford. So I think they are set up that if they do get promotion, you like you wouldn't put your money on them going straight back down. You know, like, no disrespect, we've seen like the UCD come up a couple of times. Longford came up uh, last year, the um, and it, it was from the word go. It looked like an uphill battle where. Even away from Cork City in the fourth division, the likes of Waterford and Galway, with the full-time structure that they have down there, they seem set up to really make a good presence of themselves in the top tier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's Listen, I think it's an interesting one for Bowes. They want to get the right man in. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with taking their time, waiting until the end of the season no. and, and making sure they get the right man. But they want to make sure they get him in in time so that he can do his pre-season so he can get the players in that he wants to get in he may only be able to get one or two players in but get a couple of players in that might steady the ship and and maybe it's a bit of experience or whatever they need but um, yeah it needs to be sooner rather than later and by sooner I mean before 2022 is over anyhow Okay, Cork City have extended and uh, updated their partnership with UCC what can you tell us about that Nathan? Yeah, brilliant one here for, uh, from Cork City, Roy. The, like I said, updated their uh, their partnership with the University College Cork UCC. Uh, it's been a decade long partnership now, but it's now been extended for another five years. This will see uh, men and women's players gain scholarships and access to the to the top of the range sports facilities that they have at UCC. And besides, and along with that, UCC will remain as the club's official uh, academic partner. Actually, that's probably a period of time, isn't it? We just we are touching on Waterford, now to touch on Cork City. Like I said, in the fourth division, the forced um, six points clear, the three games to go, the odds of a match in hand. You'd imagine that they're one throw into the Premier Division, probably even more now at this stage, right? Um, when you're looking at these partnerships, we talked about the likes of uh, Bohemians with their relationship with DCU, uh, Sligo now here, they, they've got their IT has turned into university status. Obviously, UCD are the, are the main uh, candidates when we're talking about mixing in education with football life as well. But it's absolutely huge that they'd be developing these partnerships, isn't it? And even though they've done great work over the 10 years, right? Just to have, you know, the use of the the brilliant facilities in UCC year round, you know, it's 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 indoors as well. That brings an element of, you know, you're not out in the elements in the weather. It's also a safety aspect there as well. Um, UCC offers sports studies, the absolute like nutrition courses. So if the f- the football aspect doesn't go the way you want, then that's the reality of it of the professional game. You still always have this uh, the comfort to fall back on. Uh, and also, I think the main one it does, it keeps the locals, you know, they don't have to be travelling to Dublin or to Galway to go and study. They can remain at home and follow the, the continue their footballing journey while chipping away at a degree or at a qualification in the meantime. So, absolutely brilliant now it's for Cork City to be extended this relationship. And things like this is only, only going to make them stronger. It's only going to make, uh, make them better when they do make the step up to the Premier Division. And like you said, have the full-time structure there. So, to have these partnerships to help out with facilities, Helps out with improves in players' training in the off season. Mm-hmm. It improves their recovery, but it also improves their life away from the pitch as well. Yeah, when 
you look at UCD, Nathan, they've always had good young players coming through, learning their, tra- oh, yeah. learning their trade while getting the education. It, it can work with these clubs like Cork City because you can get those players in, they can train with the club and when they've kind of finished their studies or whatever they're doing there, they can process or progress on to, you know, a professional football career, which Cork City will no doubt be bringing to that area again because... Colin Healy has done an unbelievable job this year. Really, really. When you look at last year, it's chalk and cheese, the comparison on how they're doing this year. A fantastic season and no doubt they'll get promoted. It'd be a disaster if they didn't now at this stage. But Cork City are a big club. And when you look at Cork City now and they have stuff like that in the background, working with UCC, uh, as you said, have use of facilities and, uh, you know, being able to bring to, it's nearly like being able to have a, a second team there where you can, you can use that, that, that college as your sort of breeding ground for younger players. It'll be huge. It'll be absolutely huge. And again, if they can get everything right with the club, you know, get, they have great support down there anyhow, but, you know, working on the stadium and et cetera and, and don't let the, the finances go to hell maybe like it has done before. Cork can be a force again and it's great to see that that there's, that, you know, they're not just thinking, they're thinking more outside the box even though this is has been done a few times around. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it'd be a shame and a, and a shambles if they weren't doing it. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant and uh, I think this not only benefit Cork and, and the surrounding areas as well. Okay, uh, Nathan, we look at Shamrock Rovers because obviously they're in the Europa League, uh, Conference League, but the under-19s UEFA youth journey has come to an end. Unfortunately, it has, Roy, yes. Um, they were a part of the UEFA Youth League uh, through the league winners' playoffs, uh, coming up against a really top Dutch side in uh, AZ Alkmaar. Uh, unfortunately, beating 6-1 over the two legs. The first game away from home, they were beating 5 nil, so they were pretty much done and dusted after that one. But they brought them back to uh, to Dublin, Roy, and picked up a really respectful one-all draw with 18-year-old uh, Michael Leddy picking up the goal in that game. So... It's the fifty do finish on a high note against a top caliber side. As we always say about these things, Roy, great experience for uh for the Aiden Price's under nineteen Shamrock Rovers team, uh, coming up against a top caliber European team. Um I suppose we'd be hoping that the senior squad now coming in can do do a little bit better in the in the upcoming game. Uh, the time recording is gonna be uh on tomorrow, which is towards like the sixth of October. By the time this goes out, we're not too sure the game may or may not have gone ahead, but they're playing a Norwegian opposition in Molde, who have been really impressive in the league form, Roy. They're at the top of the table, 15 points clear after 24 games. But in the Europa Conference League, Group F, along with Shamrock Rovers, they only have one point to their name after picking up a, a nil-all draw with Ghent and then getting beaten 3-2 to Dunge Garden. Are we looking at this one as a potential opportunity for Rovers to pick up a point on the, another point on the board? And obviously the, the, the financial uh, gain that comes with that too. Yeah, well, you can take nothing for granted. You can't just think because they didn't get a result against this team or, you know, they did get a result against another team. You can't predict, you know, one game after another. It's it's on the day and Mola would be a decent side. Shamrock Rovers are going to have to be under top form. Can they get something out of them? Yeah, they can get something out of two games. No doubt about it. Whether they can get the three points, that's another thing. I think Shamrock Rovers need to be performing at, a hundred percent of their of their powers and and have luck on their side and have everyone performing to get a win under their belt. So 
is it possible to get a win out of these two games against them? Yes, absolutely. But everything has to go their way. So, and it be crossing fingers that it does because we want to see that and we want to see an Irish team. And it's great because you look at Sky Sports and you look at BT Sports, and they're all sort of highlighting that Shamrock Rovers are in this competition, which makes it feel a little bit more proud and a little bit more real that there's a bit of acknowledgement for the League of Ireland. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I don't know if some people listening in saying, geez, these two idiots are talking about Shamrock Rovers in Europe every week. Yeah. But it's trying to hi- highlight how big of a, of a stage and a platform that we're on and we'll continue to do it. And we'll continue to do it hopefully next year and the year after when, well, that doesn't have to be Shamrock Rovers, you know, if a Derry City or it's a Dark or a Pax or whoever it may be, uh, find themselves in a, in a group stage of a major European competition. You have to highlight these things, Roy, because say what you will about, you know, you could be the biggest, you could be supporting a club that's the biggest rival of the Shamrock Rovers, but we say it time and time again, it benefits the league when any Irish side goes into a, not only a group stage, but even qualification and does well. It benefits all in the long term in terms of that, um, you know, for the club itself, they get a good financial gain, but it helps in the, in the rankings and in the season. So, yeah, it's, like I said, I, I think it could be an opportunity, especially in the next game when they're playing them in Tallis Stadium, to pick up a point. Like, you never know, maybe even three. Uh, you have Sean Hall coming back in uh, and Pico Lopez. They've been, they were back in the squads in their most recent 3-1 win away to Sligo. So couldn't be a better time, especially to see Pico come back in because he's been missing for a long time with a, uh, mm-hmm. with a serious injury. So to see him come back into the squad... Uh, it's going to be really important because they're looking at an October schedule that's absolutely packed to the gills. You have three Europa Conference League games, two Dublin derbies at home to Shells and uh, St. Pat's, and then a massive game at home to Derry City um, on the 3rd of October that could really decide where that league title goes at the end of the season. So to have two players like Sean Horne and Pedro Lopez come back to your squad at this time, it's absolutely vital for them too. Yeah, let's, fingers crossed, as I said, if there's any other club in the league, no matter who they are, we'd be saying the exact same thing. It's it's for the league and I think everyone should be backing them and hopefully uh, highlighting that the League of Ireland is a decent league to be playing in and improving all the time. Now, St. Pat's today, we're delighted to announce the appointment of Ian Birmingham as their new football partnership manager. Ian has a newly created job. It's a full-time role with immediate effect and will be responsible for managing the football partnership with Cherry Orchard. What does this mean for the club? What does it say about the club? Yeah, you summed up really uh, well there. Uh, it, it comes off the back of Ian announcing his retirement about a month ago. Like you said, at the time, it wasn't really surprising considering the lack of game time this season. But it definitely brought an air of sadness. Um, I was even ranting about him for about five, ten minutes in the podcast. <laughs> you, he couldn't shut me up uh, about Ian and me, and me loving for Ian. But a lot of Pats fans will share that sentiment, right? Um, it's something that the owner, that Gary uh, Kelleher, seems to like. It's, uh, it's keeping Pats men and women around the club. You see Jerry O'Brien is in now. Um, he's the, 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 the director of football. Then we have Ian going in as his partnership manager. So, it's brilliant to see. I always enjoy seeing things like this. That it's a it's a natural pathway for players um, in retirement. They don't just have to you know leave football behind us completely. I know Ian himself is going is looking at going into the avenue of coaching. He's in the process of doing his coaching badge at the minute. So to see someone like this is ideal. But as I've said on the podcast and you know as well, I'm from Ballyfermid. It's the same uh, same place as Ian is from. So to see what he can do for 
the pathway from St. Pat's to Cherry Orchard is brilliant. He knows Cherry Orchard. I know he has family that play for Cherry Orchard, so he knows the values of that club and he knows how to, I suppose, to, to mend the pathway uh, for both men and, and for both boys and girls uh, to make their way in the St. Pat's, which it's definitely the aspect of Pat's going into the Underage Women's National League. That's going to be a massive part of this partnership. It'd be great to see them develop that and eventually get into yeah, the Women's National League as a whole, that'd be excellent uh, with a really good race back and behind them. So, yeah, it's a positive move. It's great to see Ian uh, get the role, just to deserve for everything that he's done at the club. But for me, he's well qualified for somebody that knows uh, the football scene in the local area too. Yeah, I think it's a big thing to have someone who has a link with the club, who has a love for the club to be in a role because... Sometimes you look at qualifications and listen, listen, I'm not saying Ian hasn't got any qualifications for this job, um, uh, most likely does, but sometimes it's not about the qualifications for the job, it's about the passion, about the energy, about the positivity that you put behind the role. And that's in any job, anywhere in the world. You, you can have people with qualifications who are top qualifications, but you can have someone with maybe slightly not as... as a stronger qualification, but if they have the power, the passion, the determination and the will and want to do something within that uh, passion that they may have, and I'm sure Ian has a passion for for that club, then I think it can go a long, long way. So I think it's a, a great call. OK, uh, fan question today, Nathan. Yeah, fan question. Uh, we have a good mate, Kevin Sheridan. It's going to help us out once again. If you want to be like Kevin and get your fan question on the year, we'd love to have them. Reach out to myself, Nathan Doyle, Roy Shanahan uh, on social media or the easiest way to get is uh, the big kickoff. You can follow us on social media and get your questions in because we do love them. Um, this week, Roy, Kevin has asked, when the new Tords tier launches, should it only contain B teams from current LOI sites? Would you watch the third tier if it was B teams from current LOI sides Nathan um, no I wouldn't Roy so there's your and answer <laughs> I, do you know what Roy I'm going to I'm not going to back him up because I don't necessarily agree with the question I'm not saying this is what Kevin's opinion is but I, my answer would be no I will caveat with it right? how many times the players have been lost in that transition from the under 19 to the fourth team in the League of Ireland, it's absolutely huge. So I do think that he should bridge a gap in that respect. Um, but like I said, to, to, to throw, you know, like uh, every current team to have a B team into the third tier, it, it, it wouldn't work out for me. I, first of all, I think they're closing off the potential of having some brilliant diversity uh, in teams around the country. It's something that me and you have been crying out for. And not only me and you, but a lot of people have been crying out for for a long time. And that's why, we we're, again, we're champions. Kerry uh, FC so hard and it's it's going to be huge to see if the model that Kerry are using goes down well because if they can sustain themselves by keeping things local and keeping things within the county that would be huge for other clubs you know for like a Castle Bar or a Kildare or a Kilkenny whoever it may be coming back into the League of Ireland or coming into the League of Ireland for the first time Well you can see it with uh, Treaty so Nathan Treaty are going down that yeah, road you exactly. know? and Dave, Dave, example, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave could, now they're only starting so there's plenty of mistakes to be made as well and you, don't, you just don't want any of these clubs to rush into I suppose you look at the likes of Monaghan and stuff like that and they're pushing loads of money in and trying to push to get up top of the Premier Division and etc, etc. You have to know your limits and you have to know what you can use and, and how you can get there. And sometimes we look across at the water and you see over in England 
I don't know, you'll see a Watford or a, or a Nuts Forest now and they're spending loads of money and just falling flat on their face uh, trying to go down that route. It's not a guaranteed way. Keep your club sustainable and I think Kerry uh, will go down that route. I think Treaty are doing a fine job at that at the moment as long as they don't get uh, too excited about where they are. And eventually it takes time to build up that fan base. It takes time to get uh, people in and, and sort of encourage them to come into you. And if they have the patience, I think I think it can happen. So we go back to the question, should uh, the proposed third tier be only B teams? No, because no one really gives a crap about B teams. It's it's not, they're not interesting. You know, they really aren't interesting. Will younger players be stuck at these clubs and you're lost like Shamrock Rover and stuff? No. If they want to play football, they'll end up playing for a team in the third tier. A Kerry, a Monaghan, a whatever it is, uh, whoever has a team, Kenny or whoever it is that actually wants to go into these leagues so they will go to these places and they will travel you know now they may not have as many if they if these clubs go down the local route they may not have as many I suppose you can call dubs because I know the biggest population is in Dublin and you're going to have a lot of footballers there they may go against that they may only have a few of them in fair play great whatever works but uh, I do think we need to spice up the league with an injection of new teams yeah, definitely. And of course, like the background needs to be done. You need to be, as you said, financially stable in the in the short and long term because as you mentioned, it's gonna take a while to turn the locals around, whether that be, you know, you're gonna have a Clonmel, just for example, coming out of Tipperary, which is a, a very notable GAA, GAA county. You're gonna to have to take time to look turn around and get interested in, in a local league of Ireland club. But I think to, like I said, to push off just to make the tour division into strictly B teams. All I have to do is look at the attendance that go to the underage games and they're not really, they, they keep themselves taking over but they wouldn't be able to, to, uh, to keep themselves running off that off a couple of hundred people coming to the tournament. Because if you just have like Shamrock Rovers, a lot of people are going, well, the majority are going to go to the to the senior team. They're not going to really have much of an eye in the B team. And we've seen that when Shamrock Rovers had a B team in the fourth division. Mm. So I think for me, the best way to do it is get teams around the, around the country. As you said, Monaghan, Kildare, Casabar, however it may be, whoever can keep it sustainable uh, in the long term and can attract a uh, consistent fan base, but also have a promotion and relegation with the fourth division to keep the league competitive as well. If the if the league really want to make it work, if, if if the FAI really want to make it work, they should be pushing to get grants for these clubs yeah. from the government. You know, we know that they bring in, we'll say, football fans from from Dublin down to Kerry or to Cork or to Galway or whatever, and and vice versa, and. You know, the likes of Dundalk going to Wexford and, you know, you just have, you, you, obviously that'll be cup games. <laughs> They'll just have those bringing people down, eating, drinking and what have you down there, maybe even staying down there. We need to build up this sort of a football economy so that, you know, there's money being invested and made in football. And I think it's well worth our taxpayer money to give these clubs a leg up for this third division. So whoever going into it, they should be given a leg up. And it may be over the course of the first five years that these clubs will be given a leg up to try and catch up with the rest. And then maybe you're on your own. But whatever it takes, let's see if we can do it. Uh, I'd be sort of championed that. 
yeah, it was brilliant to see, wouldn't it? Like I said, Roy, we talked about having a more diverse uh, number of teams in the league for a long time now. So, yeah, once it's stable, once you can deal with it. And again, like I just sort of touched on it there, it can make the fourth division more interesting as well when you have a relegation potential down to the third tier because there's a lot of fourth division sides now just existing. They're just taking over. The likes of Athlone, Bray, Cove. They just want the season to be over now at this stage. There's nothing else to go for, but all of a sudden, if you have the caveat relegation, there's, there's a reason for them to be within the league itself. But yeah, we for me, that's not the way to go, having a, a tour division full of B teams. Of course, there's work that needs to be done in our two existing leagues at the moment. So hopefully they can be sorted out um, in the short term because we said, I, I said it before, and we were always only be talking for you was... I can see this proposed tour division turning into something that's just going to be put on the long finger time and time again. Yeah, no, um, it certainly should be something that's taken serious and I hope they do take it seriously because I think it's a an important thing and having a ladder throughout the Irish Irish football, I think there's a, there's definitely a call for that and I think there's a definite want and a need for it. So hopefully that goes through and uh, we don't see too many B teams. I'm not a fan of them at all. Okay, Nathan, thanks very much for your time. Thanks you for listening. Um, it's been a good year so far for League of Ireland clubs when you look at Europe and uh, the, the way the league's progressing with crowds, etc. It's not over yet. We've got another month or so to go. Um, and Nathan we'll just finish off on one more thing because it just struck me there we nearly missed out on this one they have changed the last day of the league they have oh yeah um, oh, I was really clocking uh, off a bit early without uh, finishing up, <laughs> up a little schedule um, yeah baffling decision let's just quickly get into it because I think we're both safe at bed at this stage <laughs> <laughs> let Pete behind the corner we've had a few technical issues to say the least haven't we mate so uh, yeah let's, let's, let's wrap this up um, originally uh, the final day of the season was penciled in for Friday the 4th of November it will now take place on Sunday uh, the 6th of November with all games uh, set to kick off at 7 o'clock which right there's one major issue I'm going to touch on now, but already there's a little issue there is that certainly uh, a seven o'clock kickoff on a Sunday is not ideal for away fans. Final day of the season, you have uh, like the Finn Harps travelling to Drogheda, uh, Sligo Rovers travelling to Bohemians. They're two long journeys to be making um, essentially on a school night, and that, that's something we're going to have to be looking at. The bigger issue here, Roy, is that it's on the same day as the women's FEI Cup final between Athlone and Shelburne in Tallis. Is Stadium. that a problem? I think it is a problem, Roy. And two of the ones that came to me straight away is that the media coverage um, is certainly going to be reduced for the Women's FEI Cup final. Um, they're going to be spotlighting that be that day is going to be the day that Shamrock Rovers or Derry City uh, pick up the league title. They're going to be looking at um, relegation. So it's relegation going to be set in stone. European football is going to get set in stone. So I think it'll be lost in the shuffle. Um, looking at the women's FUL Cup final. I also think it'll have an impact on attendance uh, for the game itself. We had a brilliant, I think it was a 3,000 went to the FUI, women's FUI Cup final yeah, last year. Yeah. Record. Absolutely brilliant to see. They won't get near that number now. I, I really don't think they will get near that uh, with the, the Premier Division final day on uh, at the same time. And it's just an issue that I'm having here, Roy, at the city. Just, and for anyone listening, this news only broke literally, didn't it, about an hour and a half before we recorded the show. Yeah. Um, and this comes off the back row. I was saying yesterday or the day before that RTA on certain about showing uh, next week's vital 
uh, Irish Women's National Team World Cup playoff that the, uh, the first leg is going to be next week and we'll talk about that I'm sure on next week's show but RTE are uncertain about showing that game because it's going to be clashing with Celtic in the Champions League it's absolutely ridiculous it's, it's, it's the biggest game in the history of Irish women's football yeah and the hard thing about not showing it because cause Celtic are playing RB Leipzig I understand Celtic have a massive Irish following but it shouldn't even be in consideration for me so to see this and to see essentially the, the, the women's FAI Cup final to get looked over it's it, we, we could champion and talk about the positive steps that the women's game is making but things like this I just think they're a real slap in the face to women's football in the country yeah, do we know what's what's the dates for the finish, Nathan? Do you have them at hand for the Finland game for the FAI oh. Women's FAI Cup? That is it, 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 it's on the um, it, it's on Sunday the sixth, the same day. Six, Sunday as the, the, the the final day of the Premier Division uh, season. Okay, okay. So the exact same day. Yeah, just that's that's the big issue for me. Look, could you change it to the Saturday? I'm sure you could. I understand why they changed the date because Shamrock Rovers are playing uh, the final Europa Commons League game on tour to the third of November. So you can't expect them to fly back from Sweden and then go straight into a game the next day. I didn't understand that. And I think that we should be, we said about it a lot, we should be accommodating the teams in Europe to give them the best chances possible. But don't put it on the same day as the Women's uh, Floyd Cup final. It's just stupidity and it's just another mind-boggling decision made by the FBI, I think. So do you think they should move it then to the Saturday? I think they should move one of them to the Saturday. Either the final day or the, the women's FA Cup final. I don't think she has them on the two, the, the two days. I think, like I said, the impact it's going to have on the media coverage and especially the attendance, to say the least. And it's going to be, I'm sure that they, they, they put the women's game on television. That's not going to happen now. You'd assume they're going to put on, if they are, if RT are going to show a game, they'd show, you know, the Shamrock Rovers game or the Derby City game, whoever's going to miss the title. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see you now if there's a an outcry. Um, still might be changed. You never know. This time next week, we might have an idea. Okay, Nathan. This time it's definitely goodbye. And uh, everyone listening. <laughs> goodbye time now. <laughs> Slán. Uh, August Guramaha good.